We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. Good evening. Buenas noches. Well, let me warn you first. Sometimes I throw Spanish because I've been doing the Spanish studies for a while. He said, Me va la onda, and I start talking in Spanish, and it's like, oh man. But uh, we'll be good. Hey, where's my old lady at? Oh, she's, oh, she is. I didn't see her. I was like, But uh, tonight we're going to actually start on James 1, verse 19. So we would all turn there. You know, when uh, Manny asked me to, to come up here and teach, I was like, yeah, I'll do it. You know, no sweat. The Lord wants to use us. We got to be usable whenever he calls. And then I was thinking about, well, what am I going to teach on? You know, what am I supposed to speak on, Lord? And it's funny because the Lord listens to your prayers, even when you think he's not answering, Okay. Because sometimes we'll give you the answer when you least expect it. And I'll go a little more into that later on, how we came to this study tonight. But we begin in verse 19 where it says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now this is totally not how we often behave, is it? As believers... Too often we tend to uh, do just the opposite of what James is telling us to do here. You know, James begins by saying what? Let every man be swift to hear. To hear what? To hear the word of the Lord. To hear the counsel of God all the time. He, he's telling us to be good listeners as well. Now a good listener is one who in the grace and in the spirit hears without passing judgment. You know, I was thinking about this earlier, how sometimes we have to go through, through trials in our lives. But through these trials, the Lord tries to teach us something. And through all these trials, the Lord is always ministering to us. Why? Because through these trials, God will edify his children. He will strengthen them. He will teach them to be good listeners, to pay attention and to mind his word. So that when others are going through the same situation that you're going through, you will be able to give that same encouragement and that same counsel that the Lord gives to you. This is why it's so important for every believer to be open to the leadership of the Lord, to be open to the guiding of the Holy Spirit in your life. You know, a good hearer will give the person or the persons the ability to speak what they must before we pass judgment, before we give counsel. That's what a good hearer does. Too often, I know that um, we don't do that. You know, too often we, we cut off people while they're still talking to us. And then we give a, a wrong word. You know, and so we have to be very careful in all that. We don't want to just, you know, as they would say, you know, bring the hammer down on people. 
But I also like what he says. Be slow to what? Speak. Now, this doesn't mean you, you talk real slow, okay? <laughs> I thought about that the first time. I'm like, hey, Pusquion, that was so slow to speak. And I'll tell you what, little little story before. When the Lord first put it in my heart that I was supposed to be teaching in, in the Spanish ministry, man, when he first called me to it, I was scared. But, but you know what? The reason I was scared was because of what it says in chapter 3. You know, it talks about we're all going to, you know, those who are teachers are going to be under stricter judgment. And I should be like, oh, man, great. <laughs> I mean, I was all chicken at the moment. But the Lord just started speaking to me and teaching me different things. And one of them was my, my speech. You know, because I used to be a real hothead. I was a firecracker. My wife and my kids can tell you. So the Lord first started teaching me how to speak softer, kinder, gentler. Things that were not normal to me. For most of you who know my background, I'm an ex-gangbanger. Um, I've lived a very unrighteous life. I did a lot of wicked things in the world. And being a, a good hearer and a slow speaker was not one of those good things that I ever practiced. You know? And so the Lord had to teach me these things. But with hearing and speaking slowly comes the good counsel of the Lord. And I really like what it reads in Proverbs 10, 19 uh, through 20. It says this, In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. But he who restrains his lips is wise. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little while. And then in chapter 17, it reads like this, verse 27. He who has knowledge spares his words, and a matter of understanding is of a calm spirit. So these are the things that the Lord starts to develop in each and every one of us when we first come to him. He first starts to develop a, a new nature, a new creation in us. He has to transform us completely. He has to recreate who we were. There's a, a Mexican singer, her name is Nena Leal, and she has this song, it's called Alfarero, the potter. And in this song, you know, she's saying, Lord, you're the potter and I'm the clay. Break me, mold me, recreate me. And, and the Lord responds to her and says, I will. I'm going to break you, but I'm going to put you through the fire. And I'm going to make you a better vessel you're going to come out shining and beautiful and it's a beautiful song it's with mariachi it's gorgeous and that's one of the things that that we all have to pray for you know we all have to seek the counsel of the lord and and how we speak sometimes i can still get very emotional you know for whatever reason latinos are like that even when we're not mad you know we still sound like we're mad and my wife will say are you mad hey mad what you talking about woman you but know? that's what we are it's just our nature. <laughs> it's like, man, ¿qué pasó? What happened here? But, you know, so we have to learn to, to practice um, how to speak slowly. Why? Because of what it says now. It says, you are also to be with slow of wrath. This is perhaps one of the most egregious behaviors often seen from believers towards other believers. Do you know that? Too often we are not slow to wrath. Too often we can be very harsh on one another. When in truth we should be compassionate and merciful and understanding. We should be able to guide and nurture our brethren when they are going through struggles or even, you know, um, how would I say, just tripping along the way. Because we all stumble, right? So we have to be able to, to practice these things that the Lord has shown to us. 
Proverbs 14.29 says this, He who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. You know, folly, that's what it says. Why? Why should we practice keeping our temp temper under control? Because of what it says now in verse 20. It says, for the wrath of man, what? Produces the righteousness of God? No. It says, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You know, this is another one of those, how do you say, I showed him moments? Well, I showed him. Right? That's what we are. And, and we shouldn't be that way. Too often we can be very prideful, arrogant, and selfish in our behavior that we often do project towards others. Too often we tend to elevate ourselves above others. And when someone stumbles along the way, we are very wrathful and mean. And that does not produce the righteousness of God. You know the second song we sang, what did it say? You are slow to wrath, slow to anger. So sometimes we tend to forget that, that God is very gentle with us, that the Lord is very merciful unto us. You know, as a parent, I can tell you that my kids sometimes, they can work my last nerve, as we say. You know, it's like, Híjole, vas a ver, give me five minutes. And you know what? Sometimes when, when I start to get upset, I start breathing like gently in and out just to let it out because I don't want to say something that's going to cause my kids to stumble. And, and that's what the Lord has taught us, all of us, not just me, that we have to be gentle, compassionate, merciful because human anger does not bring about the righteousness of the Lord, but rather this destructive and drives away people from the gospel. It will drive away Christians from the faith. So if the Lord does not treat us in this manner, why do we abuse and mistreat each other? Why do we mistreat and abuse the sinner whom the Lord died for? Whom the Lord showed mercy unto each and every one of us? You know, Jesus used to scold the Pharisees. But his was a righteous anger. It was a godly anger. Why? Because they would abuse their position and abuse the people. See, as leaders in the church, you're called to a, to a different standard, some would say. You know, you are called to, to represent Christ in all that you do. But it's not just the leaders. It's each and every one of us in the body that is called to represent the Lord. In everything we do, everywhere we go, in every way that we speak. I often have to remind myself at work about this. I work with a lot of people that are very, uh, how do I say this in a gently way? They can be very selfish. And sometimes my flesh wants to just pounce. And the old me wants to come out. In fact, you know, I'm going to tell you a little story today. I'm a truck driver, okay? I drive a rig. And today I was on the 15 heading south. I was going to Temecula, go make a delivery at the Home Depot, who I deliver for. And this black truck just boom, dashes in front of me about a foot away from my truck. 
Homeboy slams the brakes because he's, he's about to miss his exit. So he slams his brakes, and I'm about a foot away from him. I blow my horn. He jumps over, and right when I pass him, he starts flipping me off, giving me the bird. And I'm like, and at that moment, my flesh really wanted to come out. And then I heard a soft, still voice that said, let it go. And I said, you're right. You're right. I'm good. I kept driving. And I said, you know what? It's okay. I'm not going to let that come out because it will do no good. In fact, it will just destroy everything that the Lord works to build in all of us. You know, I'll share something with you that I share with the Spanish studies every week. Three things that I remind them every single week. The first one is fasting. I teach them every week that they should be fasting so that their flesh does not overtake them. The second thing I tell them is to do on a daily basis is read the word so that the Holy Spirit will rule over their flesh and their mind. And the third thing that I always remind them to do on a weekly basis is to pray that all their decisions are made under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. That's what I teach them. That's what the Lord has taught me. That's what James is teaching us here. That we should be doing everything under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So all, all of our reactions are to be in line with Jesus' reactions. You know, we are to reject sin. But also to comfort those who need to be comforted. Because just as Jesus was filled with the Holy Ghost, so are we. You know, Paul says this to the Corinthians because they were arguing and dividing themselves and creating factions in the church. You read this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, how the church was fighting, bickering amongst each other. And over what? Over who's had their favorite teacher? One said, I belong to Paul. Another, I belong to Peter. Another, I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. I belong to Apollos. No, we all belong to Christ Jesus. There shouldn't be no divisions in the church when it comes to who we belong And we shouldn't be bickering amongst each other. We should be gentle, loving and merciful, praying for one another. Then you will see the righteousness of God be projected in the church. Verse 21 says this, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So lay aside all filthiness, wickedness, you know, here James uses two different words to describe the condition of some believers in the church. Just as it was then, it is today. Sadly and shamefully, it still happens today. The Greek word for filth is rifiria, and it speaks of disposing of anything that would defile the believer, anything that would pollute our minds and spirit. And the word for wickedness is kakias, and this speaks of evil, malice, spite, and an evil dispositions. Now, as Christians, we are called to imitate him, right, by whom we were saved, and that is who? Christ Jesus. This is what Paul tells the Ephesians, imitate me. Tells Timothy, imitate me, just as I have imitated Christ. So we are to be that type of a person. In Colossians 3, chapters or chapter 3, verse 8 to 10, it says this, But now you yourselves are to put off these. Put all of these off, it says. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have been put off the old man with his deeds, 
and have what? Put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So as believers, what? We are to put away all that we were. Everything that we used to represent in the world died. Gone. The moment we came to Christ. What we were, we are no longer. Should we be lying to each other? Should we be lying to our bosses? Should we be practicing these demonic things that a lot of people in the church practice? No. We are to put off all these things. Everything that we used to be is gone. You're a new creation in Christ. You were made new. The moment Christ Jesus came into your life, that old man died. You know why it's so important to be baptized? Because when you're baptized, you're leaving that old man in the grave. And the new man that Christ created is the one that comes forth. You bury that. You don't look back to what you were. You look forward to what is to come. You look forward to that everlasting hope that we have in Christ Jesus. It is pretty sad that you know, all of chapter 5 in 1 Corinthians is devoted to sexual immorality. You know where a man, it says, and I have heard of a man who has his father's wife. And it's pretty shameful for the church to tolerate that. It's shameful that there are churches today that do tolerate it, which we shouldn't. Romans 12, 2 says this, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable perfect will of who? Of God. Titus 3, 5, 6 reads like this, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us, through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. See, our minds have to be transformed by the Holy Spirit. Our thinking has to be transformed. Our hearts have to be transformed. Everything about us has to be transformed. What you were cannot hold precedence over who you are today. I used to be a gangbanger. I used to be on drugs. I used to be an alcoholic. You know, I was in and out of jail since I was a teenager. And sometimes if I hear an oldie, man, you know what? At first, like, that rola sounds good, right? And, it's, and then like two seconds later, it starts reminding me of things that I did in the world. And it's like, er, put the brakes on. I don't need this. I don't want to remember that life. That's not who I am anymore. I'm a new creation. So what do I do? I throw on, you know, some worship music. I don't want my mind to be contaminated and polluted with the things that I used to be. Because that will lead you straight to wickedness. It will lead you straight to things that do not glorify the Lord. Now there's a lot of believers in the church who want to use their past to justify their actions and their immoral behavior. You need to understand one thing. Who you were no longer matters. What you did no longer matters. It is what you are today that truly matters. And that is a person saved by grace. Saved 
by the will of God. Saved by the precious blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. Everything we were is gone. Well, I can use my past to talk to cholos, to talk to other guys who have been in and out of jail. I, I can use it and say, you know what, bro? I've been where you are, but it doesn't mean that's where I want to be. And if you're a thief, you're supposed to stop stealing. That's what the mind tells you to do, steal. But the Holy Spirit says, don't. If you live with a man or a woman who is not your wife and you're having sexual relationships with someone that you're not married to, and you come to church, and the Holy Spirit says, don't, you're supposed to say, no, and get out of that relationship as soon as possible. As a Christian, you are not who you used to be. Your mind has been renewed. Do not practice the filth of the world. Well, the world says, it's okay, man. We're on a trial basis. Trial basis? What is that? You know what? I'll be honest. I met my wife, I met my hyena, like, at a club in El Monte right here, Florentine Gardens. And we were in the world at the time. We didn't know the Lord, you know? I mean, that's when I was on drugs and partying and... I met her, we started going out the next day, called her up, 7 in the morning, are you awake? She's like, what? No. So we went out that day, two weeks later, I asked her, will you marry me? And she was like, what? I said, will you marry me? She's like, she thought I was kidding, because she, she said I didn't have a ring. But I was being serious, all right? But you know what? Like, she, at first she said no. Two weeks later, we moved in together. Now mind that we didn't know the Lord. So within a month of knowing each other, we started living together. And it's only by the grace of God that we made it for 19 years. It's not anything I've ever done. It's what he's done. Because there was a point in our lives when we were actually con contemplating divorce because of my lifestyle. And then Christ came into our life, first into hers, and she would invite me to church, and then came into my life and changed everything about me. And that's what we are to do. We are to receive the word of the Lord with meekness. Ephesians 1, 13 through 14 reads like this. In him who you also trusted after you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit. That is the mark of who you are in Christ Jesus. You're a Christian. You're a believer. You're someone who used to do wicked things in the world, but now you want to do the righteous things of the Lord. Apply them to your life on a daily basis. Receive everything that the Lord has for you with meekness, with a, a gentle spirit. Because that Holy Spirit dwells in each and every one of us. So I want to tell you this. When you sin... When you get involved with sin, you're bringing the Holy Spirit with you. And there's times when the Holy Spirit is screaming, don't, don't, and you still go. And you still sin. A.W. Tozer is one of my favorite authors. He writes this, The man who comes to the right belief of God is relieved of 10,000 temporal problems, for he sees at once that these do not have to do with matters which at the most cannot concern him for very long. Guys, 
I tell you with all sincerity and truth and in love, everything that we've ever been taught from our pastor through the word, we must practice it. We must trust that in those times when temptation is coming our way, the Lord will give us a way out. And the only way we're going to be able to do that is when we remember Scripture in our mind. See, our pastor tells us to remember Scripture, to study, to memorize, because it's really good. Man, there's times when Scripture's really saved me out of some situations, you know, hard. I was like, thank you, Lord, because he's merciful and he guides us and instructs us. You know, receive the word and the counsel of the Holy Spirit with the gentle, compassionate understanding. Why? Because verse 22 says like this, but be doers of the word, and what? Not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of a man he was. You know what? This is the sum of our faith. This is what it comes down to. Being doers of all that has been taught to us. Everything that Manny has ever shared with us. I've been with Manny for, what, 13 years now. From the moment he said, hey, I'm going to Monte, I said, I'm following you. You go to Monte, I go to Monte. I grew up here, so I can say Monte. When people are like, a Monte, I mean, it's Amani. You know? But you know what? We've got to put into practice everything that, that we've been instructed in. Seriously. Why? Because there's two types of believers. The doer and the hearer. So my question to each and every one of you is, which one are you? Are you a doer of the word? Or are you a, a, a hearer? Are you a seat warmer? My prayer is that you would become a doer. You know, earlier... Henry shared about the Cambodia team. You know what? My heart is with them. My spirit is with them. I couldn't go. But they are doers of the word. They heard the call of the Lord, and guess what? They answered. They said, we'll go. You know, they struggled to raise their funds. We sold a lot of burritos out there, and I don't know what else we were selling. Pero sabes, you know what? They went. Praise God. They answered that call with faith. John MacArthur said this, It is a desire of a believer to walk in the law of God. It is the desire of an unbeliever to avoid the laws of God. So what and who is a doer? The Lord Jesus Christ was a doer, right? We read this in John 6.38. He says this, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. The apostles, as we know, were doers, right? Man, they suffered. They went through a lot so that we can have that gospel. Paul suffered more than any other apostle that I know of to bring the gospel into darkness, to those countries, those regions where idolatry reigned. Paul went, doing the work that the Lord instructed him. I, I, I really am touched by what it says in 2 Corinthians 11.25. It reads like this. Paul's describing his suffering for doing the work of the Lord. He says, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, 
in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, when they were trying to kill him, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and in toil and sleeplessness, often in hunger and in thirst, in fasting, cold and in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes me upon me daily? My deep concern for all the churches. So a doer is one who puts his faith into action. That's what a doer is in the scriptures. Is one who hears the Lord calling him and says, I will go. What do you ask of me, Lord? You know, Twelve and a half years ago, I read a book. It's called um, Experiencing God. It's by Henry T. Blackaby. And in this book, there was a certain prayer that I adopted in my own life. And it said, Lord, show me where you are at work and prepare my heart to join you there. Little did I know that God would answer that prayer too. And he would say, okay, you want to work? Come here, I'll put you to work. You're going to serve me in the Spanish ministry. And for a while there, I was like, oh, I want to be here, Lord, using excuses. And then one day the Lord confirmed through another sister in the faith, something I had never shared with her. And she came up to me and she says, you know, the Lord wants to use you in the Spanish ministry, but you need to let him. I said, okay. On that day, I answered the call. You ever heard of Rasheen Sudman? No? Okay, Rasheen Sudman is a sister in Iran. I watched her testimony not too long ago. She was speaking about when she was a young girl, her father was hanged in Iran for teaching the gospel. And when her father was hanged, she had a decision to make. Do I follow this God that my father died for, or do I turn away? Well, she followed. Her brother followed. Her brother was incarcerated four years ago in Iran for one thing, doing the work of the Lord. You know what? Yeah, they're suffering. Yes, there's perils and there's trials in our lives when we do the things of the Lord, but there's blessing behind it. There is a great joy in doing the deeds that bring glory unto the name of Jesus Christ. There's a book. I really love this book. It's called 50, uh, 50 People Every Christian Should Know. In fact, we have it back there too. This book is filled with the history of people who heard the gospel and the call of the Lord Jesus in their lives and responded obediently. Men and women like Andrew Bonner, Robert Murray McShaney, Catherine Barbora, who was Martin Luther's wife, Amy Carmichael, who served over 50 years in India, Jim Elliott, who died in Ecuador. We have his movie here. John Welsh, who would get up in the middle of the night to pray for the people of his parish. And when his wife would say, Honey, come to bed, he would say, No, I've got 3,000 souls for whom I am responsible and I do not know how they are. See, that's our calling to pray for others, to minister to others, to take everything we've ever heard and put it into action. You know, I translate this book every week to the Spanish congregants, and I read it to them. And there's a reason why I read it to them. It is so that they are not themselves deceived. 
It is so that when they are in, in, in trials in their own lives, they can remember that others have gone through them as well. And they came out ahead, not because they did it, but because Christ did it. Christ got them through these situations because they put their faith in action. They let the Lord lead them. Sometimes the Lord will lead us into situations where we're like, man, I don't know about this one, Lord. But Osavis, you know what? All right, we'll go through it, Lord. We'll go through it together. You know, I've, I've taught my children one thing, and that this is this, that they are to use the gifts given to them to their utmost potential. Never hearing anybody who tells them, you can't. Only hearing the Lord saying, do it. That's what I've always told them. I said, whatever gifts God has bestowed upon you, use them. Use them to the fullest. So when you look back to your life, you will not be ashamed and say, I didn't do his work. That's what I've always taught them. Who's a hearer? A hearer is one who has the ability to hear, but never responds to the calling of the Lord in his life. A hearer is one who sits in a pew week after week and leaves the same way they came in. A hearer is one who hears the Lord say, you need to let me work in your life, but shuts him off. And there are many in the church like that. You know, I have a couple of co-workers that I, that I work with. I told my wife I was going to share this. They go to Christian churches. They both claim to be Christian. There's like four of them claim to be Christians. They listen to Christian programming. And they've both gone to church for years. I currently found out that one of them has been going to church for 17 years. But you know what? They cuss. They steal. They yell at drivers. They argue with the supervisors. And the worst thing is this, that is known of them, that they got into a fist fight with each other. When I found out about it, a couple of days later, I ran into one. And we started talking. And I asked him a few questions, and I said, is that what you were taught? Is that what you've been hearing in church for whatever years you've been going to? Because you come up to me and you tell me, oh, the pastor said this. Has he taught you to be fighting? And by the end of the night, he said, you know what? It was no coincidence that you were here. God really wanted to talk to me, and I'm sorry for what happened. Last week, I was hooking up to my tractor, and I heard Raul Reese. You know, this is in the middle of the night. Oh, Raul Reese, orale, who is it? So I go check it out, you know, my curiosity. It's the other driver. And I asked him, I said, you listen to old Reese? And he says, yeah. I've been listening to him for years. I said, really? Do you know the story of that man? Do you know his, his life story? He's all, no. I said, well, let me tell you a little thing. That man, the night when he converted, he was waiting for his old lady to come home. He had his quet, he had his gun ready with him. He was going to blow her away. And Chuck Smith happened to come on TV. Gave his life to Christ that night. And from that night, he changed completely. The Lord did a work in his life. And we started talking a little bit more, and I said, let me ask you a question. You said you've been going to church for 17 years. 
You know what you've been? You've been a seat warmer for 17 years because you steal, because you cuss, and I know you got into a fight. He says, well, you deserved it. What should I do? Practice the things that the pastor has taught you for all those years. Put the word of God into action in your very life. That's what you should do. That's what each and every one of us should be doing. Putting the words of the Lord into action. You know, he's all, whoa, if you hit me, what do I do? You give him the other cheek. You know, that's what you should have done. Better, yeah, you should have walked away. I asked him a question. Was Jesus cursing the people who were arresting him, beating them up, crucifying them? He said, no. What was he doing? Did he not pray for them? Yeah. Then do those things. Because that is what we are called to do. We are called to pray. We are called to fight on our knees. You know, I was thinking about this today. If the church stopped being a bunch of hearers and started being more doers, can you imagine what transformation would be going on in our country? Instead, our country is going into paganism. It's being taken over by paganistic religions from coast to coast. We need to be more doers. We need to stop just sitting there and thinking, oh, good message, and say, Lord, what can I do for you? What would you have me do, Lord? Teach me, mold me, shape me, instruct me, guide me, Lord. Give me the strength and the courage that I need to proclaim your gospel wherever I go. We cannot just be hearers. We deceive ourselves when we do that. You know, when George Whitefield heard of the revival taking place in Wales, he went to see it firsthand, and when he returned to his congregation, he gave a sermon of chastisement because he saw that they were just being hearers and were lacking in the doing of the work. And I pray with all my heart that from this night on, you would say, I want to be a doer. I don't want to be a hearer. So the next time when they say, hey, you know what, we uh, need teachers in the nursery, or, yeah, we need helpers in the nursery, everybody should be signing up. So when they say the kids need somebody to teach them, there should be a waiting list of teachers. Truly, in the church of Jesus Christ, there should be a waiting list of people waiting to teach the little ones. Everything that the Lord has instructed us, that's what we fight for. Because you know what happens if we don't instruct them? The world will. Satan will. It is our duty and our responsibility to bless these little ones. We can't be like the man who sees his face on the image, on the, on the mirror, and then walks away and has to come back to see what he looks like. We can't be that way. As Christians, we know who we look like. We are a representation of Jesus Christ. We are made in his image. A.W. Tozer wrote this in his book, Revival. Everyone has a private battle going on, a private fight. You're in the midst of a wicked and adulterous generation, but you have got to overcome. He who overcame indicates that you can also overcome, but he, who in, he indicates that not all do. You can overcome your own flesh, which will be the hardest. You can overcome tradition and customs, which will be the second hardest. You can overcome all things. The world is waiting for an authentic voice from God, not an echo of what others are doing and saying, but an authentic voice. That's you. You're the authentic voice of the Lord. 
You're his representatives. You represent him wherever you go. When people see you, they need to see Christ Jesus. We have to be different. We cannot imitate the world. We have got to learn to imitate Jesus Christ. The way we speak, the way we eat, the way we talk, the way we care for others. That's what we got to do. Verse 25 says like this, But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, now that's the key word, continues, okay? And is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one what? Will be blessed in what he does. See, we have been given a great commission. We read this in Matthew 28, when the Lord said, Go out and make disciples of the nations. So in Acts, we meet a, a young man by the name of Paul, right? The Lord used him mightily to what? To make the apostles leave Jerusalem and go out and preach the gospel. Because they were pretty comfortable. See, they were being successful in Jerusalem. But the Lord had called them to teach all the nations, not just Jerusalem. So the Lord allowed Paul to be used, you know, to bring persecution on the church. And that's us. We have to continue in this perfect law of the Lord. You know, we are told to be obedient in doing what he commands us to do. Why? Because in being obedient to the commands of the Lord, there is a blessing. And the blessing is the deeds that are done in his glorious name. That's the blessing. So like I said earlier, that way when we look back to our lives, we will not be ashamed. You know, about five years ago, I was making a delivery over in uh, the North Hollywood area. And the Lord had asked me to do something. That day I was busy. There was a man there, another truck driver, doing the same thing as me. And the Lord had just told me, go talk to this guy. And I was all busy. And I was like, but Lord, estoy ocupado. I'm busy, Lord. You know? And the guy, you know, we took off. And then a conviction fell upon my heart, a deep conviction. A sorrowful conviction. And I cried in my truck and I said, I'm sorry, Lord. Forgive me for not having done the things that you asked me to do. Give me another opportunity. You know what? The Lord answered that call. Because two weeks later in San Bernardino at another lumber company, guess who's driving in right when I was standing there? The same driver. And the Lord told me that day, you asked me for an opportunity? He's right there. You know what I did? I ran. Serio, I ran, boom, and I went over there and I explained to him everything. And I said, you know what, man, God has a plan for your life. And he started crying for two weeks. From that day that I was told by the Lord to do something, he had been carrying around his little ones. See, his wife had left them for another man. So he was driving around with two little ones in his truck, which that day he had them. So I encouraged him. I prayed with them. And I told him, where do you live, bro? And he said, oh, I live over there you know, in Fontana. I said, you know what, right there in Cherry, there's a Calvary Chapel. I said, yeah, los niños, take them. You know what, just take the kids there. Take them. Go, with, you know, go hear the word of the Lord. He did. I seen him a month ago up in Bakersfield. And it was a blessing to talk with him. But see, that's why we want to do the work of the Lord, because we will be blessed. We will see the great rewards, not on earth alone, but in heaven. Your reward is not going to be here. Your reward is the one we're storing in heaven. Too often people want to have all the rewards here. Chale. 
Give me my rewards in heaven where neither moth nor thieves can steal and corrupt. That's where I want my rewards. Our focus should be heavenly minded, not earthly minded. See, the believer is one with genuine saving faith, as it is described in chapter 1 of Psalm 1. It says, Whose delight is in the law of God, and in that law does he meditate day and night. So the godly people are those who love the law of God, who long to keep the law of God, whose highest, greatest joy and treasure and deepest delight is obedience to the law of God. And my prayer is that each and every one of you will be that way, obedient to the Lord, no matter what the cost. It almost cost me my life one time. Well, my wife can tell you, my ladies got scared because I used to take off my own to go preach on the streets of El Monte and Garvey. And I was talking to this one vato, and he pulled out a big old shank like this, and he saw the scare homes. I don't want to hear about your established religion. If you talk to me about religion once more, I'm going to shank you. And I said, you know what, Holmes? One day I was going straight to hell. If you stab me, I'm going to heaven. But I'm going to talk to you about Jesus Christ. And he was cool with it. You know? Why? Because I want to see other people get saved. Of course, when I told my wife, she said, don't you ever go by yourself again. All right. And it says on verse 26, If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. I told you guys, A.W. Tozer is one of my favorite authors. So is Harry Torrey, Chuck Smith. I like this because I've been reading a few of his books lately. And he said this, A.W. Tozer, how do you get out of the religious rut? You get out of the rut by giving God your all, letting God have you completely. Concentrate your whole life on God and his precious son, Jesus Christ. Then seek to know the sweet fascination of loving God. You cannot stay asleep very long when the beauty of Jesus is before you. So true religion is to do the things as if you are in the very presence of God. That's what it is. Many people have deceived themselves by thinking that their religion is good, yet they do not obey the very commands of the Lord. You know, I once had religion in my life. Today I'm joyful to say I have a relationship with my Savior. And that whenever he commands me to do something, I do it joyfully. I do it willingly. I do it happily, no matter what my cost. And I pray that each and every one of you would answer that call. To visit the orphans, to visit the homeless, to uh, love the oppressed, to care for those in hospitals, to go visit those in convalescent homes. You know, one of the saddest things we often see is when we hit the streets, when we go out with the jet team. And you meet some of the old tecata, some of the old heroin addicts out there. And you start talking to them. And you find out that they've been in heroin for 35 years. And it's like, it's time. It's time to end this. And it's beautiful when you see people receive Jesus Christ. We have to reach out to the sinner. 
and to bring light into darkened souls, to live and to love those most rejected by society, and to do it while keeping ourselves unspotted from the world. That means what? Not getting involved with things we shouldn't be. Watch what you watch in your own homes. Careful of the music that you listen to. It's so easy to get caught up in you know, some of these TV shows. I always tell my old lady, I tell my wife, you know what, babe? Just skip that. You know, watch it. And she'll tell me the same thing. We don't want to be stained with the stain of the world. We want to stay pure. We want to stay godly as possible. So that we will be effective in our lives for the Lord Jesus Christ. encouragement to you all is this just serve him as best as you can be as obedient as you can counting it all lost for the glory of Jesus Christ let's pray Heavenly Father Lord as we come before you I thank you Lord Almighty for the grace you've given to us I do pray Father God We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.